On this segment of the Alvin Galloway Show, we examine the briefing by Ethnic Media Services, COVID-19 roundtable discussion, mass, Moderna, and more. The roundtable discussion will address three major topics. One, the removal of mass mandates on public transportation, how we make more vulnerable and already vulnerable populations who is being left behind. Two, Moderna's new bivalent vaccine and its potential to protect against variants. Do we need a new and better vaccine given the large number of systematic infections in people who are vaccinated and boosted are what we previously called breakthrough infections the new normal. Three, long-term COVID in people infected with Omicron. Experts on the roundtable are Dr. Eric Finnegan, co-founder and board member of the World Health Network and chief COVID task force at New England's Complex Systems Institute. Dr. Ben Newman, professor of biology and chief virologist at the Global Health Research Complex, Texas A&M University. Dr. Manisha Nuoscar, pediatric pulmonologist, Stanford Children's Health. And Dr. William Schaffner, professor of preventive medicine in the Department of Health Policy and professor of medicine in the Division of Infectious Disease, Vanderbilt University of Medicine. Stay tuned to the Alvin Galloway Show here on KRDP. Hi, I'm jazz artist Brettina, and I love listening to the Alvin Galloway Show every Sunday, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. for conversation, information, music, and culture. So stay tuned as you tune in for an intellectual tune-up on The Alvin Galloway Show. How do we see our lives? Is it everything we have? Recently, Moderna Drug Company has uh, requested the FDA, Federal Drug Administration, to authorize their vaccine for children of zero to five years old. May 9th, they are expected to present data in effect that would show that their efficacy and safety of the vaccine is adequate for vaccinating children at that age. Previously, uh, Pfizer has made their uh, request a few months ago, except there has no been no decision from the FDA yet. But the medical community is excited by the recent announcement uh, by Moderna. And a number of parents are excited also because many have waited for uh, the opportunity to have their children vaccinated. Um, it has been going on in stages. First, you had adults of a certain age, and then younger adults, and then teenagers, and now uh, the last group to uh, be approved for vaccines is uh, the zero to five year old age group. But there are skeptics, 
and uh, questions in regards to vaccinating uh, the children. That is Sunflowers with Adrian Young, Ali Shahid Muhammad, and Roy Ayers. This is the Alvin Galloway Show on KRDP. Experts gathered at the recent briefing hosted by Ethnic Media Services on the issue of children's vaccinations and uh, masks and other issues uh, tackled these critical questions first to answer the question about uh, moderna's announcement and the efficacy issue uh, about the children's vaccine is dr manish nuaska pediatric pulmonologist at stanford children's health 
So, uh, of course, I'm very excited uh, with the news. Um, it's it's a big news, of course, and uh, obviously the the data is still it needs full review. And it's for two doses, one month apart, and it's going to be one fourth the adult dose. And they have seen uh, some good response and that's why they are submitting the data soon. And um, I'll be anxiously waiting to see the entire data of efficacy and safety. And so I'm hoping, I'm, and again, you know, I don't have any insight into this. This is just a plain guess that hopefully by June, maybe we will, see some, um, you know, announcements, but uh, I'll be waiting for that. As some parents have been waiting for a long time, they have their younger children vaccinated. Others uh, may still be skeptical. And Dr. Askar noted that there is going to need to be some education um, provided to the parents so they can make the choice of having their child vaccinated like how confident am i to see if the parents will give vaccination i think um we will definitely have to do work as pediatricians to um inform the safety and efficacy uh data to our parents and um you know we have seen that our youngest of the patients are getting sick and hospitalized with COVID. And, um, you know, with the, with the previous data that we have seen that even previously healthy kids can develop complications and um, multi-system inflammatory syndrome. So um, we have to sort of educate our young families and um, encourage them to get our young, young ones uh, uh, vaccinated. So I think there will be a lot of work to do, but, uh, you know, I am confident with, with, with proper education, uh, our families will be able to vaccinate their little ones. Dr. William Schaffner, professor of preventive medicine in the Department of Health Policy and professor of medicine in Division of Infectious Diseases, at Vanderbilt University School of Medicine, is also excited by the news from Moderna. He also, like Dr. Askar, is concerned about the issue of myoconditis. So the first thing is I share Dr. Nawaskar's excitement about the submissions by both of these uh, manufacturers. There's certainly a group of parents that are eagerly waiting, hoping that uh, these vaccines will be approved uh, for their children. Uh, I would certainly agree with her also that uh, the issue of myocarditis is going to be very much on the minds, on the safety side of many parents. I would just, if she would permit me, to add that the risk of myocarditis appears to be lower as we go down the age range. So although we haven't seen the data, we certainly hope that that will uh, continue to be. Now, the two vaccines are both mRNA vaccines, and so we would anticipate that they both work uh, in a very similar fashion. Uh, one of the questions that will be on everyone's mind is, yes, yes, Moderna is submitting two doses. Will they need really a booster going forward? 
uh, I think the Pfizer data may be more advanced in that regard, and they likely will have had some booster data associated with them. Dr. Ben Newman, professor of biology and chief variologist of the Global Health Research Complex, Texas A&M University, believes that schools will have a important say in the issue of COVID vaccination of children, just as they do with other vaccinations. I would think that schools may have a role to play in uh, getting the vaccine out there. So in terms of death per year, uh, meningitis, bacterial meningitis is one of the things that schools would normally require vaccination against. Uh, that does about 500 deaths per year, which are preventable for the most part. Uh, COVID-19, I believe uh, it's around 350 deaths in the same age group in roughly the span of a year. So it is roughly the same size problem. And I think it's a reasonable solution to have this be one of the uh, uh, vaccines that are uh, part of uh, what makes school work and how we handle it. Um, so I'm not a public health person, but just in terms of the magnitude of the problem, I think that would be a reasonable solution. Moderna's request for authorization for vaccine for kids also came with news of development from the biotechnology company of a bivalent vaccine that seeks to provide stronger longer lasting protection against new variants. Dr. Schaffner explains what a bivalent is and Dr. Fagodin, the reasons why they are needed and FDA needs to act faster in authorization of new vaccines. Well, you know, there's a, a game that we play, uh, a parlor game, sounds like, right? Sounds like influenza vaccine. Oh, each year we update our influenza vaccine and it's a now quadrivalent vaccine. It has four different antigens in it. So we update it. And so the thinking of the vaccine scientists is to do something quite similar to uh, COVID. Let's expand the the antigens in the vaccines such that we get broader coverage against this array of variants going forward. Indeed, the, the manufacturers, I know, no submissions yet, but are working on combined uh, COVID and influenza vaccines uh, in anticipation. And I say in anticipation because there are no recommendations yet that there may be regular boosters that are necessary going forward down the road. So uh, I, I think you can think of this as quite analogous to influenza vaccine. Uh, in terms of, um, of future boosters and vaccines, um, I think uh, Dr. Schaffner is very correct that we will need future vaccines. and. I think uh, th there's two things I would want to point out. In terms of multivalent vaccines, we need to develop them faster. Because the honest truth is, BA1 Omicron, which emerged, what, late November, early December, it's already ex near extinct in the United States. Uh, it's, it's been less than like five months. It's almost gone. Um, and BA2, it, BA2, main BA2 is already being replaced very quickly by BA 
2121, its daughter version. Mm -hmm. And now BA4 and BA5 is surging in South Africa and, and the BA1 and 2 are almost near extinct in South Africa. And so this treadmill is so fast that we have to keep up because a lot of we, there's a lot of you know bivalent multivalent vaccines being developed with beta uh, uh, you know old BA1 Omicron and Delta being currently trialed, but th th again those strains are already ancient uh, history in terms of this pandemic now. So I feel like we we need to obviously advocate the FDA to like think of how to update the vaccines quicker, considering that we're, if we're just tweaking the spike protein um, a little bit, we should be able to do a phase two and then do a, you know, a, a, you know, conditional rollout and then allow uh, these brand new uh, phase two adaptive vaccines because phase two can be done pretty quickly to be rolled out just in time. It's like this just in time concept is so critical that um, because you know currently all the talk of multivalent vaccines, those are in like October and November. That's really far away, and by then we're gonna we're gonna move two or three additional variants beyond. So I think we have to adapt to the times, and policies have to catch up in order, or else we're always gonna be playing whack-a-mole and being two steps behind of where the or the variants currently are. All the participants disagreed with. Judge Catherine Kimball Mizell, a Trump administration appointee to the U.S. District Court for the Middle District of Florida, when she ruled that the CDC had exceeded its authority under the law in imposing mass mandates on public transportation. Dr. Newman. I don't care for this decision. Um, so, I think the way this happened is, so we've got judges and judges in this case were ruling on basically a point of protocol. There's a way that things have to be done and such. However, in times of war, in times of civil strife, it is very often uh, that judges will give extra latitude to people to take steps that protect large numbers of people that cannot otherwise be protected. And I think if there's a miscalculation here, which I believe there has been, that's the miscalculation. Uh, it's a judge trying to assess whether or not something is a problem and then going on to the matter of protocol as a way to stop it. Um, so I think we've done a good job in holding the virus down with our past actions, but looking at our current actions, we are not doing much that would slow or stop the virus and we are already seeing a very large outbreak of BA2 in Puerto Rico and a medium-sized outbreak on the East Coast uh, centered around New York. I think it's a matter of time if we do nothing before this becomes a larger problem again. And at some point, uh, yeah, it seems like this should no longer be a surprise to us. Uh, it's just like leaving a fire burning and saying, well, it's only this big, uh, you know, this big a fire is something I can live with. And you forget, viruses and fires grow. And viruses, unlike fires, change constantly, and usually in a way that makes them a little more difficult. So you'll see people that are talking about vaccine efficacy in the childhood vaccine and saying it's not as good. And Dr. Feigelding's point about it being against a different strain is very, very correct. But at the same time, 
this is something we've done to ourselves. If you're on a construction site and they hand you a hard hat and say, put it on so things don't fall on your head, <laughs> and then you don't, and something does fall on your head, who really is responsible? And I think, unfortunately, the case is that we're all collectively at risk. So, yeah, this is a situation that is not tackled very well by a series of individual judgments and actions and can probably only be tackled by working together. And decisions like this one undermine our ability to work together, or at least the will to do that. And so that worries me. Programming on KRDP is financially supported by Westside Blues and Jazz. Located at the northeast corner of 59th Avenue and Bell Road in Glendale. Performers include the one and only Big Pete Pearson, Beth Lederman, the Sugar Thieves, and the legendary Charles Lewis. Westsideblues.com. Also on Facebook. Hashtag Westside Jazz and Blues. We return to the Alvin Galloway Show. A briefing hosted by Ethnic Media Services on COVID-19 roundtable discussion, masks, Moderna, and more. Dr. Eric Fingolding, co-founder and board member of the World Health Network and chief of COVID task force at New England Complex Systems Institute, expressed his displeasure with not only the ruling from the federal judge, but also the decisions that many have been making in regards to mitigating COVID-19 that has put the very vulnerable, not only children, but also the elderly and immunocompromised at risk because of their decisions and actions. Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, we are really endangering a lot of our kids. And I always tell people, um, you know, you know, by the way, last year when people were touting, oh, Omicron is mild, Omicron is mild, they failed to point out that the same study in South Africa that Omicron is milder, not that much milder, but slightly milder, was only in adults. They actually, in the same study, they actually found that it was 20% more severe in children. And it somehow, while touting that Omicron is mild, everyone it completely ignored that it was 20% more severe in children. Um, and, and, and if you try to uh, you know, acknowledge one, you can't deny the other's same parallel finding in the same study. And so I think we've really neglected our children. Um, and I think the other thing is, um, it's, in terms of protecting children, it also involves vaccinating adults and adults taking precaution. But right now we've thrown precaution through the wind, uh, just like with all the mask lifting and other mitigation requirements. Because in many ways, I think of it this way, even if you're boosted, you may have you know, 90, 95% protection against hospitalization and death, but your protection against uh, infection is only about 45% after 10 weeks of waning of the booster and probably even more than that beyond 10 weeks. Um, and the problem with that is it's you're, pretend you're like a four lane highway bridge. Your bridge is not gonna collapse. You're not gonna die. But with 45% uh, you know, in trans symptomatic transmission efficacy and probably even lower for asymptomatic, 
you basically only close about two lanes of a four lane highway. And furthermore, people, adults now are going out to gatherings, parties, bars, restaurants, nightclubs, even more than before when they were precautious. So now you're also increasing the, the doses and, and, uh, and, and exposure frequencies and likelihood of transmitting. So, and, and who gets, who is most vulnerable? The kids. So even if you're a group of 10 adults who are fully vaccinated and boosted, um, I would like to remind you that even if no one is seated at a certain table is gonna die, someone has children at home, immunocompromised uh, uh, family members at home who could actually succumb and have a severe outcome. And let's not forget long COVID. Long COVID is potentially 20, 30% of unvaccinated and five to 10% of vaccinated will still suffer long COVID. And those are huge numbers given the size of the Omicron waves we've seen so far. So I feel like sometimes we've neglected our children and other vulnerable people by just you know, focusing on, oh, you know, hospitals, uh, our hospitals are not full, you know, we're protected against hospitalization and death. Well, I, I, I finally pose, well, if the hospital beds are not full, do we tell kids and adults, you don't have to wear a bike helmet? If hospital beds are not full, do we say you don't have to buckle your seatbelt? If hospital beds are not full, do we say, oh, you can drunk, you can drink and drive drunk because we have hospital beds for you. No, we don't do any of that. In the name of public health, we put all these mitigations in, even if the hospital beds are not full. And so right now using this, the very stupid criteria of our hospital beds are not full, you know, the CDC community levels thing, we're basically saying, oh, you can drink and drive, uh, not buckle seatbelts um, and not wear helmets because our hospital beds are, that's not public health in any way. And that's an abdication of public health. And I think us adults, are at the end responsible for endangering our kids like that. And this is the Alvin Galloway Show, and we want to thank Ethnic Media Services for the briefing again. Gives us good information from experts in different areas to make good choices for our lives and our families' lives. And as I always say, today is a great day to make somebody's day great. Check us out on Facebook, The Alvin Galloway Show. And our podcast, The Alvin Galloway Show, wherever you find your favorite podcast shows. Be blessed.
missed and the song is keep on thank you for listening to the alvin galloway show podcast we hope you like our show and if you do we hope that you will show your support by sharing our podcast with others and also supporting us monetarily No donation is too small. We thank you again, and we'll see you on the next show.